All right, everybody. Man, that is such an honor. Thank you for being a congregation that is loving towards us, supportive towards us. Uh, you guys make it easy to be a pastor, and I just want to say thank you. So, yeah, turn to the person next to you and just go, thank you for making it easy, easy on our pastors, all right? Just tell, tell the person next to you, thank you for making it easy on us. You guys are awesome. You're awesome. We got people serving the ministry. We got people that are giving of themselves. You got people that are, you know, teaming up with the vision to see God plant campuses and other communities that you'll never visit maybe on a normal basis or, you know, you're not going to live in, but yet you care about people and you care about them enough to be a part of a grander vision. And I just want to say thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. Uh, we're in a current teaching series. We entitled it, Who's on First? Uh, week one, we kind of looked at this idea that, you know, hey, look, is it possible that we could fall from our first love? Our first love being Jesus. Is it possible that we can get wrapped up in other things and all of a sudden wake up one day and our first love, Christ, is no longer our first love? And that is obviously an answer. The answer to that is yes. Yes, that is possible. Um, and so if you haven't watched that sermon, I would highly encourage you, go back, watch week one of Who's on First? I, I believe it was just God uh, really speaking his heart to our congregation, and I want to make sure everybody hears that. Week two, Pastor Nate got up. And he took us on a journey of surrender versus control. You can find out more about that uh, week two. Week three, I kind of tackled the, uh, the idea of, is it possible that we get distracted by the urgent and then we don't accomplish the important? And the answer to that was yes. We, we do. We get caught up in the tyranny of the urgent and we miss out on the important. And we dug through God's word and we looked at that even through the life of Jesus, that Jesus even dealt with it. And so... Again, if you didn't watch that sermon, I would go back and I would watch it. These are like 30-minute sound bites, right? You can, you can get the podcast. You can listen to it while you work out. You can listen to it while you drive to work or whatever. But I would highly encourage you to do that because all, all of our teaching series, the messages kind of go together to make a holistic picture of the topic that we're trying to tackle. Um, it's very hard at times to tackle big, big issues in one sermon and keep it within a 30-minute time window. I would, I would dare any of you to try that, all right? It's not possible for this guy, at least. Now, we can tackle big things, but you can't unpack it all. Like, I could lay it out there for you, but I can't unpack it all. So today, what we're going to look at in this who's on first is we're going we're gonna to wrestle through the difference between living on purpose or living for popularity. It's purpose versus popularity today. All right, so here's what I want you to do. We're going to do three different exercises. I want everybody to participate. If you notice the person next to you is not participating, then I give you the freedom just to pinch them, all right? Just pinch them, all right? And tell them, get with it, get with it. Come on, get with it, all right? Be loving about it, obviously. Be loving about it. All right, so I want, what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes. All right, hopefully you guys all had enough coffee and sugar with donuts this morning at all of our campuses. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to picture a world, listen to this, where everyone likes everything you do. You know what I see? A bunch of closed eyes and a bunch of big smiles. That's what I see from up here. All right, I guarantee that's in Ogallala and in North Platte. I mean, think it, keep your eyes closed. Picture this world where everybody likes everything you do. When you're driving, they like every decision that you make. When you're at work, they like every decision that you make. 
If you think about it, moms and dads, your kids, when you tell them to do something, they get a big smile on their face. Right now you see it, and they go, wow, that's a great idea, mom. And they go and they do it. Okay, now open up your eyes. Right, that world, that world will never exist. I know, you're like, I came all the way here to close my eyes and have a guy tell me something I already know. Well, I get it. I get it. But I just want you to picture it. Wouldn't it be awesome to live in a world where everybody likes everything you do? Man, that would be an incredible world. That world does not exist. Okay, now let's go for the second exercise. I want you to close your eyes, all right? Now I want you to picture your life trying to please everyone around you. Your father, everything your father says, you got to try to please everything your mom says. You're trying to please everything your boss says. You're trying to please it. Everything around you, you're trying to please everybody at all times. Now, open up your eyes. I didn't see any smiles on that one. It felt a little bit oppressive. The unfortunate part is that some of you are actually living that nightmare. You're living your life so bent on popularity you're so consumed with the thoughts and the ideas of what everybody thinks about you that you're burning the candle on both ends and you are wearing yourself out. Joy is not even a part of your life. Peace is not even a part of your life. Worry is. Ulcers are. But joy is not. Because you're living your life trying to please everyone around you. Now, third exercise, final exercise, I promise. Because I don't want to do anything that's going to put you asleep. Okay? But I do want you to close your eyes one more time. And now I, I want you to picture living your life to please one person. And that person is God. Now don't open your eyes yet. Some of you are going, that's not possible because my image of God is frightening. My image of God is one who is frowning at me. My image of God is one who's got his arms crossed at me. If, if that's your image of God, you've got the wrong image of God. I just want you to think with me with you. while your eyes are closed, you're living to please him. Picture Jesus. Just get a good, vivid picture of Jesus, however you would draw him, all right? You have a picture of Jesus. He's got a smile on his face. You're living just to please him. He's not a tyrannical leader, right? He doesn't like, tell you to do something and jerk the rug out from underneath you. He wants you to succeed, and he wants you to win. Now open up your eyes. Of all three of those examples... I'm suggesting to you that the one that brings the most purpose to life, the one that brings the most joy to life, the one that's actually a, something that you can accomplish is that third one, living to please God and God alone. I'm going to tell you today, that's the purpose of which God put you on this earth. But if you live for the approval of others, you'll never live for the purpose of God, ever. In fact, it's when we're living for the approval of others that I guarantee you can watch your life and it's sliding away from God. It's not growing towards him. Any time that we allow the approval of others to be the driving force, the popularity, we'll never live then in those moments for the purpose of God. But when we live, guys, when we live to please God, man, we finally start to actually figure out who we are. When you're living to please God, you finally start to figure out what your purpose on this life is, on the purpose on this earth is for. But all too often, we're never going to find that because we're consumed 
with living based on the opinion of others. We're seeking after the created to determine what our self-worth is and what our values are. And we'll go to each other. We'll go to the created instead of going to the creator because we get caught up in this sense of popularity all the time. And we'll seek out the creation instead of the creator. And we'll go to the creation and we'll say, hey, do you like my hair? Hey, hey, do you like, do you like my shirt? Hey, 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 do you like the way I talk? you like my sermon? You like the car I drive? You like the house that I live in? You like the job that I do? Hey, hey, do you like this? Do you like that about me? And all of our self-worth and all of our self-value gets based on, on this right here between you and me. Like, as an example, let me give you an example. Let's just say you were on a game show where you could, it was one of those game shows where you got asked a question and then you could call an expert. Okay, you remember that game show back in the day where that's what it was, like phone a friend. Right? Phone, this, on this game show that I just drafted up, it's always you can phone an expert and we'll give you the names of these people potentially that you could call to help you. So the question that comes at you is about a rocket ship, it's about a spaceship, and the question is this, what's it made out of, okay, what's it made out of and how does it fly? What's it made out of and how does it fly? That's your question in your game show. Now you get to phone an expert. Who do you call? Do you call the pilot? He just flies the thing. Do you call the construction worker? He just puts some screws in on one part. Do you, do you call the designer of the rocket ship to know what's this thing really made out of? How does this thing really fly? If you, if you chose, I would call the designer, I would say to you, I think that's the right choice. Because when you go to the designer, then you get all of the aspects of the rocket ship and you're going to be able to answer the question and win the game show. But look, we're doing something here on this earth that is so much greater than any game show is ever going to be. We're, we're living life. And when we seek, guys, the creator, then you really start to figure out what your purpose is on this earth. Today, as we talk about purpose versus popularity, I am not talking about the big, massive purpose that you're on this earth to accomplish. I'm not talking about that big P purpose idea. That's not what I'm going after. We're all going after that thing. But let me tell you how you get to that. You get to it by the purpose I'm going to talk about today, which is this, living every single day, making the small decisions every day. Live making the small decisions of purpose every day, the simple ones, the ones that are kind of mundane, the ones that you don't think actually matter, all of those things add up to you eventually living a big P purpose somewhere, somehow, one day you wake up and you're like, wow, this is what I was made for. I think all too often people try to search out in life, you know, what am I made for? What am I on this earth for? And young people especially, and then we waste our time circling the tree Right? Asking everybody else what their opinion is. And we, we try different things and just to find out their dead end roads when really if we would just honor God and be faithful to God in the small things, over time, God goes, look, all these small decisions add up to you. All of a sudden, bam, man, you are in the big P purpose of what God called you to do. Because guys, the truth is this. You and me, you're the sum total of all the little decisions of your life. Not the big one. It's all the little ones. That's, your t that's, that's what makes you you. It's these little decisions that all add up to this one big finale where boom, this is your life. Purpose is way more about 
seeking God daily, making the critical decisions that allow you to, over time, see great decision after great decision, little ones that add up to then all of a sudden you living a purpose so much greater than you ever thought or imagined. And there's a guy, there's a guy in the Bible that I think did this really, really well. He, he knew what it was like to live God's purpose and to resist, to resist living for the popularity of others. His name was Moses. Now Moses is found in the Old Testament, right? You got this incredible story of Moses. Moses eventually becomes this guy who meets God on the top of the mountain. He's one-on-one with God, right? I mean, an intense, intense moment. So much so that when he comes down off that mountain, the Bible says that he's glowing so brightly that the people can't look at him. That's an intense moment with God. Moses, though, he started out as a slave, as an Israelite slave in Egypt. That's how he was born. His mom uh, didn't want him to be killed. His mom wanted him to have a better life, and so she kind of worked the system a little bit. She discovered, like, hey, where does Pharaoh's daughter go down and bathe in the water? Where does she go down and, you know, take care of, where, where does she often go? And she found this place at the river where Pharaoh's daughter often went, and so she takes Moses and puts him, puts him in, in these blankets and puts him into this basket and then, and then puts him amongst the reeds of the river so that the river doesn't just take him down you know, stream, and then all of a sudden she hides off in the, in the distance, and then here comes Pharaoh's daughter down, and she finds this baby in this basket, and instead of just sending it downstream and killing it, she does exactly what most, you know, mothers would do, and she takes the baby Moses, and she calls him her own. She adopts Moses, and she raises Moses to be the grandson of Pharaoh. Moses is a powerful, popular man who has broken the curse of slavery and has ended up on the rich side of the tracks, if you will. And Hebrews chapter 11, this chapter in Hebrews that deals with the hall of fame of faith of people that are, you know, incredible followers and warriors for God and seekers of God. Moses ends up in Hebrews chapter 11, and I can tell that it's already on the screen and some of you are reading it ahead of me. Hold on. Hold on. Stick in there with me. So I want to take you to some of these verses. I want to help you see how Pharaoh... um, doesn't crush Moses and how Moses ends up being this incredible man that lives for the purpose of God instead of the popularity of others. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. That it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the opposition of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Here's what I want you to notice. Moses did something profound here, guys, in verse 25. What did he do? He made a choice. He made a choice. See, today, it really boils down to this. If you want to live for God's purpose, you've got to make a choice to do it. You make a choice to do it. Moses made a choice to see God's purpose over popularity, over power, and even over wealth. Moses, he refused. He refused to be called the grandson of Pharaoh And Moses, in this one verse, it helps us to see that he he chose to live with the oppressed than to live the life of pleasure that was going to lead to sin. Moses made a choice. He saw both sides. He had a choice to stay in the popular and in the powerful and in the wealthy, but he followed God's purpose to the oppressed. 
and to the lowly, to those who couldn't repay him. But in the next few verses that follow, verse, these, these two verses that we read, in the next couple of verses, you're going to discover how clearly it shows Moses living for God's purpose and how he actually does it. That's what I want to get you to. How does he actually do this thing, living for the purpose of God? I want to take you there. Verse 26. Look what, he, look what the first two words are. Read them with me. He, he thought. So the first verse that we looked at, he, he chose. This second verse is going to help you understand something that was going on in his mind. It says that he thought. He had an idea. Okay? And I'm going to tell you that this thought, this idea came from the Holy Spirit. He followed it, and it ended up being amazing. He had a thought that it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. How do I know that's a thought from the Holy Spirit and not from a person? No person in their right mind would make that choice. No human being in their right mind would go, oh, you know what? I got an idea. I think suffering's better than, better than wealth. Nobody would do that. But when the Holy Spirit deposits the thought inside of the heart of the person, and then the person goes, I'm going to follow that. It doesn't make sense to my physical being. It doesn't even make sense to my soul, my mind, will, and emotions. It doesn't register. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, all of a sudden, it's amazing how when we follow God's purpose, the world changes. It's better to now suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. But watch this. For he was looking ahead to his greater reward. That's the secret. The Holy Spirit spoke. He makes the decision. He chose it because he had his eyes on something much greater. He was looking forward to this great reward. What's the great reward? The great reward is for one day, each and every one of us to stand before a holy, powerful God and for God to look at you and go, well done, good and faithful servant. Moses had that as the end game, guys. So purpose, purpose keeps your eyes on the right ending. That's what purpose does. See, when I keep my eyes on the prize or on the goal or on the objective, I have a much better chance of hitting that objective, goal, or prize when I actually keep my eyes on it. But when I lose focus of it, that's when I start to drift. Think of like a college student right now, right? You're in college, you're here at UNK, you're going through all the courses, or you're at SUM, or you're at the community college, and you've got this focus, right? What's the great reward for you? Graduating, getting a bachelor's degree. But somewhere along the way, you get distracted and you lose sight of the, of the great reward. What happens? You drift off, you, your grades fail, you don't even end up in school the next semester. No, that was not my life. That was not my story. But it could easily be one of yours. That's, that's what happens for me, like to get my pilot's license. Right? It wasn't easy, guys, to get my pilot's license. It cost a lot of cash. In fact, at some points I was wondering, like, why does it have to cost so much money to get this pilot's license? Will it actually be worth it in the end? Right? It required serious study and dedication. But I got it. I kept my eye on the prize, and I made the sacrifice to see it happen. For us as a church, the campus in Ogallala, 
the campus in Ogallala took a giant leap of faith. Go to Ogallala, which by the way, hey everybody in Ogallala, we love you. Right? You took a giant leap of faith. It actually required a miracle from God to actually make this endeavor happen out there. It was a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work on me, on all the staff. Staff put in extra, extra hours. They took days where they should have had the day off, and they ended up in Ogallala working out there at the campus. I mean, it, it took a big, big sacrifice. But with God's grace, guys, we did it. I'm going to say this to you. When you keep your eye on the great reward, on the right ending, with God's grace and with God's help, you can actually achieve it. That's, it's actually possible. But you know that the, the same is true on the opposite side, that our worst decisions are made when we forget about the great reward. When you forget about that there's going to be a day when all of us stand in heaven before a holy, righteous God and give an account of our lives, when you forget about that, that's the day you make your worst mistakes. When you don't have that as the great reward, when you don't have that as the right ending, then we make foolish mistakes. We end up drunk at a party. We don't even remember. We black out. We don't even remember what happened until it shows up on social media. A spouse ends up cheating, you know, in a marriage. They're not even thinking about the pain it's going to cause their mate. They're not thinking about the pain it's going to cause their kids when everybody finds out about this. They're not thinking about the reputation that they're going to have at the workplace or in their community. They're not thinking about those things because they got their eyes on the wrong prize. They don't have their eyes on the great reward. A teenager, a teenager sneaks behind mom's back and dad's back and sneaks out of the house and, you know, sneaks out to rebel and whatever they're going to do when mom and dad aren't watching. And I guarantee you, they're doing that when they don't have their eyes set on the right reward. They're not thinking about the pain that it causes mom and dad at three o'clock in the morning when they're wondering where's their son or where's their daughter. They're not thinking about that. Their eye is not on their great reward. Their eye is on a different prize that's fleeting. Like Moses, he, he didn't seek after the fleeting pleasures of sin. He kept his eye on the prize, guys. And he kept racing after it. So to live for the purpose of God, it requires that we keep our eye on the great reward. That's the first. But Moses did even more than that. To keep God and the purpose of God first in his life. I want to take you to another scripture that we're going to look at extensively. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27. It's the very next verse, okay? Verse 24, 25, 26, now 27. We're just going in order. It says this, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eye on the one who is invisible. He kept right on going. I love that about Moses. And that's what I want to see for your life and my life. No matter what we face, we just keep right on going. But why? Because something happened here. Because he kept his eye on the one who is invisible. He kept his eye on Jesus. He kept right on going through the pain and through the fear because he kept his eye on the invisible one, Jesus. Purpose, it pushes you through the pain. It's one of the unique things about following purpose. Purpose will push you through the pain. Can I just say this to all of you that are listening to me today? If you choose to live, if you choose to live for God, and you're willing to audaciously dream a dream that is so much bigger than you, 
I just want to tell you right now the good news. The good news is this. You're going to face opposition. You're going to face pain. And you're going to face suffering if you're willing to dream a dream that's a God-sized dream. Nobody gets to do anything great for God without pain. Nobody. I kind of equate it to kind of a childbirth, right? Because I've been in the delivery room four times with all four of my children, right? And I watched my wife be in agonizing pain for child one. I couldn't believe that she wanted to have child two. Much less child three and four. And, she, and she's in her right mind, by the way. Moms, you have this unique ability to push through the pain for a purpose. And we honor you for that. None of us would be here if moms didn't push through the pain for the purpose of your life. That could be a great Mother's Day sermon. <laughs> Someone write that down. <laughs> we have all kinds of illustrations of pushing through the pain and all that. It could be amazing. I can dream it right now. It's not good, but I'm dreaming it. <laughs> but that's the deal, right? Like moms, are, they have this unique ability to do that for a purpose. Moses, he pushed through the pain for this great assignment that God gave him. It was something incredible. It was to deliver the Israelites out of slavery, out from the bondage that was happening from Pharaoh and this powerful army and this powerful country, and once and for all, deliver them out of slavery and to lead them into this promised land that God had designed for them, a purpose. So go back to verse 27. How did Moses push, how did he push through the pain to live God's purpose, go back, go back really quick. That it was by faith. I want you to notice that. By faith, people. Many of us, we're not accomplishing what God wants us to do because we're not willing to take the leap of faith. It's a leap into the unknown. It's a, it's a leap when you can't figure it all out. It's a leap when you sense the Holy Spirit putting a thought inside of your heart, like Ogallala, and then you take a giant leap and you step out there. And you hope and you pray the entire time, God, you're going to do something radical, right? you gotta, you got to, by faith, take a step. And here's what you had to do. Moses had to take a faith step, and he left the land of Egypt. He left everything that was comfortable. He left all of his wealth. He left all of his popularity. He left all of his status for the pain of a desert for 40 years, people, before he ever returns back to fulfill his purpose. 40 years in the desert before he fulfills his purpose, many of us would have given up in the desert. The desert would have consumed us. But by faith, Moses pushes past the pain of the desert to accomplish God's purpose. I like that. That's awesome. Here's another one. By faith, Moses, right? Not fearing the king's anger. He's got the king, Pharaoh, one of the, the, probably the most powerful nation of its time at that moment with, the, with one of the largest armies that the world's ever seen, powerful, wealthy, and a massive army, and Moses pushes past the fear of that king's anger. He knows what that king's capable of. It's his grandfather, remember? He's seen him in private. He's seen what he's done in private. He knows that this dude is fierce. 
that he could chase him down for a lifetime and never lose the resources to keep hunting him down in the desert. But yet Moses, by faith, had to say, I'm going to overcome. I'm going to push past that fear, push past that pain to accomplish God's purpose. Moses, by faith, he kept right on going. Some of you are one one step short of accomplishing God's dream for your life, but you stopped going. you got to keep on going. Some of you are experiencing opposition and, and fear and pain, and you're like, can this really be like from God? Maybe I just I went off on this journey, and it's not a God journey. But you go back, and you're like, but I, but I had the thought, and it was from the Holy Spirit, and it was verified by some friends, and now I'm facing opposition, and you stopped right where you're at. I'm telling you today, you got to keep right on going if you're going to accomplish God's purpose. That's where you should turn to someone else and say amen. Just do that right now. Okay, because I, I I'm not sure it's sinking in yet. You have to, like, you got to find this faith inside of you, this fortitude inside of you that says, I know it's like the world collapsed in on around me, but I'm going to keep on going. I would never be here today if I didn't follow those words. I've had people and circumstances face me my entire ministry to keep me from standing right here and doing this very thing. I had a wonderful man in North Pole, Alaska when I lived there. Cared a lot about me. Told me, don't go into full-time ministry. You got four kids. How are you going to put food on their table? It's not even responsible to do that. I wouldn't be here today if I listened to that opposition. Or my supervisor in the Air Force, when I was getting out of the Air Force to go into full-time ministry, and he told me, how are you going to do this? Like, you get two paychecks every month. They get deposited into your account no matter what happens in the economy. You've got full medical care for your entire family, and now you're going to go to Valdez, and you're going to pursue God's dream? Like, that's foolish. I can't even let you do that. I need to send you to, like, a psych ward and get something checked out inside of your head. Something's not right. If I were to listen to that voice, I never would be standing here today. If I would have you know, bowed at the moments when finances weren't there to accomplish what needed to be accomplished, I wouldn't be here today. Even at the moment when I got fired as a youth pastor for no justifiable reason, only to be brought back to that church and to preach there and for a board to repent to me and offer my job back. If I would have, if I would have caved when I got let go, I would never be here today. So you never get to accomplish anything great, people, without opposition and pain. You never get to. The purpose of God is going to lead you through a valley. But God says, I will be there in the valley with you. Right? So if you, if you have to, what you got to do really is this. Do it with me. You got to look opposition in the eye, and you have to just say this to opposition and pain and suffering. I'm going to keep on going. Amen. That's what we got to do. So the only way, though, that we can actually follow God's purpose is by actually paying attention closely to what Moses did. Let's go back to verse 27 one last time. It said this. Here's how he kept right on going, guys. Because he kept his eye on the one who is invisible. You get your eye off of Jesus, and you get your eye off the prize. He is the great reward for you. You get your eye off of Jesus, and then all of a sudden the pain's going to overcome you. But when your eye is on Jesus, all of a sudden your mind goes, he endured a lot of pain for me. I can endure a lot of pain for him. Can I be as bold as to say this to you, although I am not sick in my mind? I consider it an honor, even a joy at times, to go through pain and opposition on this earth to live for God's purpose. 
and I want you to do the very same thing. So let's just wrap up with this. No matter what you're facing, remain faithful in the little things, church. It's easy to choose the popular route. The popular route is a lazy route at times. It's a simple route. But the faithful, they stay on God's route of purpose because the reward is great. I encourage you today to make a decision today that there is no level of pain that will keep me from following God's purpose and achieving it in my life. Make that decision today in this time of worship. It's easy to give up when the pain comes. It's easy to surrender when the pain comes. It's easy to take a God-sized dream and diminish it down to a man-sized dream when the pain comes. It's easy for us to get angry at God when the pain comes. But the faithful, they keep their eyes on the invisible one, Jesus, and they keep on going. So I'm calling you today. I'm calling you to step through the threshold of pain and the threshold of suffering to follow the purpose of God and keep on going. Keep on going by keeping your eye on the invisible one, Jesus. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray today. Jesus, although it is true, we cannot see you physically. Like the days when you did walk on this earth and you accomplished your ministry on this earth of giving your life on the cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Although we cannot see you physically does not mean that we cannot see your hand at work. We see your hand at work. We honor your purpose at work in our life, and in our church. And Lord, right now, I pray for this congregation of people here and in North Platte and in Ogallala. I pray for them right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, no matter what it is they're facing of seeking after the popularity versus your purpose, that Lord, they would be a people that just keep on going. No matter what it is they're facing, that they'll press past the, the fear of being rejected by others. They'll press in to you and past you know, the worries of the finances. They'll press into you. They'll press past the worry of the fun that they're going to give up to keep seeking you. They'll press in to their marriage. They'll press in to relationships and their family. They'll, they'll press in to those things no matter what the cost is. No matter, no matter how much um, you know, forgiveness they have to ask for to heal a relationship, they'll press past that pain and suffering to follow your purpose, God, in their life. It might be the simple of just the goal ahead of them is just to finish and get your degree. Like that's the next great reward right now. May they keep their eye on it and just press through it because, God, when they crumb through that threshold, you got something on the other side that they can't see right now. Not to give up on a son or a daughter who seems like they're out in left field, but to press on. And to keep on going and loving them and in leading them, not giving up on the standard that they're calling their kids to. Got to keep on going. Even the difficulty at work, the job you gave them to sustain them and get, let their hands do the work of your ministry on this earth. Even though they face opposition, may they keep on going. May they work as if it is worship to you. So Lord, show up in this place. Bring us close to you. Give us that tenacity by the thought that comes from the Holy Spirit 
to live a radical life for the purpose of God and not just the popularity of others. In Jesus' name, amen.